Thank you. That you remember our sin no more. As far as the east is from the west, so have you removed our sin. And you've cast it into the depths of the sea. And you remember them no more. Father, thank you for so great a grace, so great a mercy, and unending forgiveness. Father, may our hearts be encouraged because of what Christ did on Calvary for us in allowing us to be cleansed and forgiven. And now, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through thy precious word and encourage once again as we seek thy face, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, as we continue our series of study in the Psalms, And 107 is a personal favorite of mine. Now, we don't know who wrote this psalm, but the overall overall outline of this psalm is to tell the story of God's workings with Israel, who accomplished God's great works of mercy and grace in spite of Israel's sin and disobedience. And as we look at this, as we hear the psalmist testify of God's dealings mercifully with Israel, we are going to see the spiritual application for each one of us this morning and how it can encourage the New Testament believer's heart. And so we begin. Look at verses 1 through 3. The psalmist begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. The psalmist here calls upon the redeemed of the Lord to tell of God's goodness, mercy, and love. Tell of how he redeemed them. There in verse 2, you see that phrase, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many remember that little chorus we used to sing in in youth group or Sunday school? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Remember that one? And then then we we used to do it in in a round. But, you know, you you would hear that song as a kid growing up. And and, uh, you kind of sing it, but you, you really didn't get a grasp of its meaning, understanding. The psalmist is concerned with the redeemed, us, those who are in Christ, those who have trusted in him and have been redeemed in Christ. We are to proclaim it, to give thanks to the Lord and proclaim it to the earth, to the world around us of who God is and what he's done for us. And share our testimony of how we were saved and redeemed. Here the psalmist is particularly, again, as he goes through this psalm, he is thinking of the children of Israel. He's thinking of the the, uh, plan of God and how Israel chose a people and brought them out of Egypt 
and promised them a land of their own. And of course, you know the story of the Exodus, and they headed towards the promised land. But along the way, we find that they, the, the people, because of their sinful hearts, though God redeemed them, they battled sin. They rebelled against God. They murmured against God and complained. Oh, how we do that so easily. Uh, I find myself, isn't it easy to just start murmuring and complaining inside to myself or to God? Lord, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. This is no good. And Lord, why would you let this happen to me? But the, the Israelites did this. And we see as God has brought Israel back into the land, he fulfilled his promise. He did not allow his people to be destroyed. When you think of the miracle of having the nation of Israel today as a nation among the other countries, that is nothing short of God's hand and miracle. As many of you remember, May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation again. After almost 2,000 years, God said, I will bring the people back to the land. And so they started to come from all corners, as the psalmist talks about. And the Lord has brought them back into the land. And God has a plan and purpose for Israel, although they still do not believe in him. They still do not believe in his son. Yet one day they will, and he will have a remnant. But we must, as believers today, we must thank the Lord for his redeeming love. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. And 1 Peter 1, and we'll pick it up at verse 10. You see, the the Old Testament prophets who prophesied about this great salvation, they did not understand what you and I understand today. They They only had limited revelation, okay? They had faith, but they didn't understand God's overall plan and purpose for mankind in that he would send his son to die as a sacrifice for our sins. Look at verse 10. As Peter writes, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry. You see, they, they, they wanted to know what they were writing about. The prophets would, would begin to write, and they would prophesy about future events. They would prophesy about a, the future Messiah, the future Christ who would come. But they couldn't understand what they were writing about. They knew it was going to happen because the Holy Spirit was giving them the words to write down. But yet their revelation was narrow. It was incomplete. And so we see here, Paul, uh, Peter is saying that, that they prophesied of the grace that was to come in the church age. Verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating 
as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Isn't it interesting in verse 11 that he's talking about those prophets years ago who had prophesied, and yet they didn't understand. They're trying to understand about when the Messiah would come. But notice it says in verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating the spirit of Christ within them the spirit of Christ was in the old testament saints hearts he they were he had the spirit the spirit of god the spirit of christ was causing them to write down the prophecies concerning the coming son of god and then he goes on there Verse again, uh, verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves as they were writing these things down. But you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Here Peter speaks of that redemption that we understand today because we have the New Testament, but the Old Testament didn't understand. But he understood that God was a redeeming God. And God was a God of mercy and love. And you and I have experienced the mercy and love of God at that cross. And so we see here, my friends, that we are to proclaim to the world, to one another, the great gift that God gave his only son and how we have been redeemed. Turn with me again back to Psalm 107. And as we continue here, we're going to see this psalm because it's, it's a fairly lengthy psalm. So we're kind of, we're going to move through it fairly quickly. But we find it is broken up into four aspects of life. Four aspects. And the psalmist, again, is going to be pointing out the four aspects of the lives of the children of Israel. And as God... Uh, worked in their lives and had to deal with their disobedience and their sin. But yet through it all, we're going to see the great redeeming love of God, his mercy and his kindness. So we pick it up at verse, verse uh, four here. Look four through nine. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. But then there was a turning point, verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way. And to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness or mercy and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has what? Satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. He has filled with what 
is good. Here the psalmist speaks of Israel going through the wilderness and the testing that they, 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 they had to face. And in that wilderness, what did they do? They rebelled against God time and time again. They murmured against God. And God had to dis discipline them. But in their, but in their uh, thirst and in their need, in their hunger, they were fading away. Yet they called out to the Lord and God brought deliverance. God finally brought deliverance. Verse 6 there. Then they cried in to the Lord, out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of all their distresses. Turn with me to John 6 because I want you to see again how this is applied to you and me this morning. As we consider ourselves redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. John 6 verse 35. John 6 35. Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. He's, Jesus makes that statement, I am the bread of life. In the wilderness, God met the Israel's physical needs by sending manna and quail and water. And he, was a, he sent them what they needed to quench their physical hunger and thirst. But dear friends, this morning, you and I sit here completely filled, completely nourished spiritually by the Lord Jesus Christ. As you receive just, and again, we were given a beautiful picture of it through the bread and the drinking of the juice this morning. Jesus is the bread of life. He proclaimed that. And those who come to him will never hunger spiritually again. And then he says, and those who believe in me shall never thirst. Now slide over to John chapter 7. We're in John 6. Go over to John 7 verse 37. John 7 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus here, just like he told the woman at the well about the living water, he is the bread of life. He is this living water for the soul. And you and I have experienced redemption from our sin as we received that bread and that water. And I know many of you could stand up and give testimony of the time that you came to Christ when you heard the gospel and you felt him draw you to himself. You understood what Jesus did for you and you, by believing in him, you suddenly sensed a change in your soul, in your spirit.
Suddenly you felt like the hole was filled. The hunger, the spiritual hunger was filled. Your spiritual thirst, everything you were looking for in life that you couldn't, that wouldn't satisfy, it, you found it in Jesus Christ. Oh, that we might, as the redeemed, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we, as the redeemed, we must understand we were redeemed from the wilderness. From the wilderness of our sin. Turn back with me to Psalm 107 then. First we have seen here as the psalmist talked about. We are redeemed from the wilderness. But now we pick it up. Verse 10. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. He, they stumbled and there was none to help. None to help. Then he cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. And then he says once again, he repeats, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, the redeemed, for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Secondly, here, the second aspect we see is we are redeemed from prison. Not only the wilderness experience, but we are redeemed from prison. Sin imprisons us. It imprisoned you and I before we came to Christ. You were, there's, those chains could not be broken. Our chains, our spiritual chains, had us bound, headed for hell. But how wonderful it is that through the mercy of God and the loving kindness of God, as the Lord delivered his people Israel many times after they cried out to him, after their sin, they, they called and repented, God delivered them out of their distresses. So the Lord does this, has done the same for you and me. He has released you and I from our spiritual prison of sin. Turn to Luke chapter 4 with me. Let's go over to Luke. Because I want you to see the parallels here. That you can apply to your heart this day. And take with you. Luke 4 verse 16. Jesus is in the synagogue. Luke 4 verse 16. And he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Here it is. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, 
to recover the sight of the blind and to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Verse 20, and he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearings. Jesus had said to, said to them in that synagogue on that day, he said, I am the one that the prophets prophesied about, that I have come to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim release of the captives, the prison of sin. You and I have been prisoners to sin and slaves to sin. But how wonderful to know that because we are redeemed, when we call on the name of the Lord, even though we are redeemed, we still get entangled with sin, don't we? How about this last week? Do you recall a sin you had to deal with or a habit or something? Maybe it was an attitude or, or a reaction that wasn't Christ-like. And, and we sinned against the Lord and we realized that, uh, Lord, here I did it again. I failed you. There's something wonderful uh, to take to heart in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So slide over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. See what Paul has to say to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11. And here Paul is talking about what the psalmist is writing about in Psalm 107. He's talking about all those events that took place uh, in the children of Israel as they were headed towards the promised land and then beyond. But it, look at verse 11. Now these things happened to them, the, those in the wilderness and the children of Israel, as an example that they were written, what? For our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, and here's the encouragement, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. In other words, don't think that you can, you and I can just, uh, you know, sin is no threat anymore. I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. Well, I'm not worried about sin anymore. No, that old sin nature is still there, even though it has been put to death. Not until I get to heaven am I rid of the old nature, even though I have a new nature. That is perfect and pure. Verse 13. Then he says, No temptation has overtaken you, but as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Dear Christian, hear Paul is telling us and encouraging us that when you and I are tested and tempted, tempted to sin, and it's so easy, we are all drawn into temptation. There is a way of escape that God will make for us. That we can stand and say no to the desires of the flesh. And we can say no to the temptations that Satan presents before us to lure us into the trap. There is a way of escape. Don't feel, dear Christian, that you're trapped 
and that you, there's no way of you getting out. Even though you're saved, there may be some habit that you think, how can I break this? The Lord will break it for you. If you continue to go to him, call upon his name as the Israelites did in the time of trouble. And he will deliver you. He will deliver me. But take this encouragement to heart. He has redeemed us from prison. Go back now to Psalm 107. Look at the third aspect of the Christian life here that the psalmist speaks of. Picking it up at verse 17. Again, he's speaking to the, about the Israelites who rebelled against the Lord. Okay? So they were afflicted because of their sin. Verse 17. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Sickness had overcome them. Plague. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And here it is again. The mercy and the grace of God. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. So what are they to do? What are we to do when we are delivered from uh, sickness or and and disease let them give thanks to the lord for his loving kindness his mercy and for his wonders to the sons of men let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing with joyful singing here we see we are redeemed from sickness we are redeemed from sickness but i'm thinking of spiritual sickness I was sick with sin when I came into this world. And sin is like a disease. And it is an incurable disease to the human race. And I, there is no way that I can be cured of my sin unless I am come to the cross and see, meet the great physician. And there at the cross, he forgives me and cleanses me. And therefore, I am healed spiritually. By what Christ did. First Peter 2.24. We won't take time to turn to it. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And you all remember this phrase. For by his stripes or wounds you are healed. By the stripes on the cross you and I have been healed spiritually. How wonderful to know that I don't have that sickness of a, of a permanent death upon me anymore. I have been freed. I have been redeemed. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And we have been set free. And yes, there are, <clears throat> there are times when the Lord will, when we call on him as his redeemed, there are times when you are suffering physical affliction. You may be suffering emotional sickness, emotional uh, uh, affliction today. And I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, but you may be under that, that feeling of sickness, whatever it is. We've got those who are dealing with cancer, my brother and my sister, and many others in our church. 
And it's cutting and comes on you suddenly and you, you ask for healing. Sometimes God says, yes, I will. Sometimes he says no. But we must understand this concerning God's healing. When it comes to physical and emotional healing. It does not mean when we pray that God is going to absolutely always give us the answer yes and automatically heal us. If you turn on the TV today, you see it everywhere. You will suddenly see a prosperity gospel preacher, health and wealth. And they will tell you that there's something wrong in your life, that you're living in sin because you're sick. That they, they actually teach that no Christian should be sick. That you should not suffer any, anything at all in the way of affliction. If you have enough faith, then you will walk healed all the time. And how sad that is. And they are drawing people into a false doctrine, false understanding of how God answers prayer. Yes, God does bring miraculous healing today. He does answer prayer when we ask for him to heal physically. But he will do it according to his will. And you and I must always remember when we pray and ask God to deliver us from physical healing, emotional healing, whatever it is. We, when we call upon the Lord, we must have the mindset of Christ. Where do we find that mindset? In the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was about to go to the cross and he fell on the ground before his heavenly father and sweats, uh, sweat, uh, drops of blood came down from his forehead as he, he couldn't stand the weight, the thought of carrying the sins of the world on himself. And what did he pray to the Lord, his father? He said, Father, if it be so, let this cup be taken from me. Take this cup from me, the cup of the cross, the cup of carrying the sins, your sins and mine upon himself. He asked the Lord, his father, he asked God the Father, take this cup from me, please. But then what did he say after that? Nevertheless, what's next? Not my will, but thy will be done. You see, Jesus prayed according to the will of his Father. And that's how you and I have to pray. Then I leave it in God's hands whether or not he chooses to heal me or not. That's up to him. It's in his, it's in his almighty hand. I can trust him. But I know that if I have to be like the Apostle Paul, and the Lord has allowed me to experience a thorn in the flesh that he will not take away, I must accept that by his grace and know that, claim the promise that Jesus gave to Paul. He said, Paul, I'm not going to heal you physically because I'm going to use this affliction in your life for a purpose, to keep you humble before me. But know this, here's where the healing, the real healing, healing comes. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And dear Christian, this morning, whatever you're waiting for God to answer and he hasn't answered yet, 
God's grace, as he showed to the children of Israel, he shows to you his redeemed, his bride. He will give you a, the, his grace to be able to endure that pain, that suffering, even if you don't experience healing until you get to heaven. It may be there, but you will have grace to endure it. Turn back to Psalm 107 then with me again here. Look at Psalm 107 and uh, look at these verses 23 through 32. Here is the fourth. Because uh, we had seen uh, the redeemed, we are redeemed from sickness. And now what are we redeemed from? Verse 23, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters. They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. He spoke, raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up on to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man. And they were at their wits End. Are you there at your wit's end today? Then he cried to the Lord. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to what? To be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, and he, the Lord, guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks. Again, the psalmist repeats it. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, his mercy, and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. And we're doing that this morning. What's this last one, this last aspect? We are redeemed from the storm. We are redeemed from the storm. Yes, the storm of sin that has entered our life. But dear friend, this morning, you and I, have been redeemed and can be redeemed by the storm that we are in right now. Your storm is different than mine, and each one of us is going to have to, uh, has to deal with the own storm. But notice what he says. Notice there at verse 25, always remember this. For he, the Lord, spoke, raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Who's in control? Our Lord God is. He is sovereign. He is in total control of the wind and the seas for a sailor. And you're out there on your boat, and suddenly the waves hit you back and forth, and you wonder, Lord, can I survive this? And you just, you just remember that he is God, he is sovereign, and he's got his eye on you. And he will deliver you from that storm and bring you to the desired haven. Oh, that storm? In your life, that may be a lifetime storm sometimes. We're in the way of affliction and sickness, as we talked about. Some kind of storm. But, and you will, we will only be, again, uh, free from that storm and those waves when we hit heaven. Heaven sure. And then we will know complete, complete deliverance. But there are times where the Lord will deliver us from our storm. If we call upon the name, remember, every time... These aspects uh, arrive through the children of Israel. 
God delivered when the people cried out to him in mercy, asking for mercy and crying out and asking for forgiveness. This is the Lord we serve. And of course, we don't have time to turn to it, but we've got the beautiful picture of Jesus sleeping in the boat. And this, uh, who raised up the storm? Jesus told the disciples, let's go in the boat and let's go to the other side. Jesus knew the storm was going to come because God was controlling it. God raised the storm up. And he knew exactly how long the storm would stop. But he was using it for the, to strengthen the faith of, of the disciples. And they woke up, remember? They were scared and fearful for their lives. And they're crying out, Lord, help us. And suddenly... They, they, they didn't know what then. They, they woke him up, Jesus, and Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. And what did Jesus do then? He stood up in the boat. He looked out upon the raging waters and the, the storm, and he said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And dear Christian, I want you to take that with you this week. He will give you peace. He may not calm the waves right away of the, whatever is happening to you in your personal life, but he will bring calmness to your soul, to my soul, to my spirit, so that I can say in the midst of the storm, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Look now at the psalmist then, the last few verses here in Psalm 107 are written and concerning the sovereignty of God. Let's read it together to the end. Verse 33, he changes rivers into a wilderness, the springs of water into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. God's going to Take care of the wicked, the evil man, one day. He'll deal with them. But for us, he changes a wilderness into a pool of water, a dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell, so that they may establish an inhabited city, and sow fields and plant vineyards, gather a fruitful harvest, also, he blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. God's going to take care of all your needs, dear friend, this morning. As the redeemed, you belong to him. When they are diminished and bowed down through oppression, misery, and sorrow, he pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in pathless waste. But, verse 41, he sets the needy securely on high away from affliction. And makes his families like a flock. The upright see it and are glad, but all unrighteousness shuts its mouth. Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Here it is. Let us cry out and proclaim. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Let us say so. Let us tell the world the wondrous works of God and his grace and mercy that he's done in our lives and what he can do in theirs. And you will see people come to Christ through your testimony, through the way you, uh, your circumstances as you go through the storm, the wilderness, 
the sickness, the prison, and you come out and they see you in it, but they see that there is a calmness and a peace that passes all understanding, they'll want that too. And then you can lead them to Christ. Let's pray together. As we close this morning and consider what the Lord has said, dear Christian, perhaps you now this morning are struggling in your wilderness, your prison, your sickness, your storm. And you're waiting for God to deliver you. You're crying out to him. Would you once again cry out to him now? But as you cry out to him, would you say and ask him, Lord, if it be your will, deliver me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Nevertheless, would you say that today, dear redeemed one? Lord, nevertheless, I'm going to trust you. Nevertheless, whatever your will is, I accept it. Just give me the peace and the grace that you promised in the midst of it all. He will do that. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept the Savior. Just open your heart and trust him by faith. The Lord Jesus died for you on that cross. And if you would but place your faith and trust in him now, you will be saved. He will forgive you of your past, your sin, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Pray with me now. If you've never accepted Christ, but you want to today, pray a prayer like this with me quietly in your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I am so sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now born again spiritually. You have become a child of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Everlasting life is your free gift. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, thank you for decisions made. And may we as the redeemed go forth, Lord, this week and proclaim your wonderful works and how gracious and merciful you are. And that that mercy and grace can be found at the foot of the cross. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.